You're listening to the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory, we are called to equip a caring, committed community of worshipers to reach their world for Jesus. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. We welcome you here today. We are so thankful for what God is doing in Victory Church that we get to continue this Advent sermon series called God With Us. And we can know that God is with us right now, right where we are, whether we're in a worship center or worship place or in our very own homes, God is there. And to get kicked off on my talk tonight, my sermon, I want to remind you of when you were learning to ride a bicycle, when you were learning to do so on your own, without training wheels. It was a little bit scary, wasn't it? And I know my daughter Haley right now is scared that I'm going to tell the story of her learning how to ride a bicycle, but I've told that a few times, and I'm going to spare her tonight. But I want to tell you about when I learned how to ride a bicycle for the very first time without training wheels or anything like that. And my dad, even though I was small, had bought me a full-size bicycle that I was certain to get a girl into, but it was a little bit intimidating, I have to confess. And so to get me started on riding this full-size bike with no training wheels, my dad would kind of run alongside me and give me stability. He'd hold me up. And we did that a couple of times going, you know, from the backyard along the side of the house toward the front yard. And I was growing in confidence. And I, I felt good about my possibility of being able to ride this bike on my own now. And so as we're going along the side of the house, I yell out to dad, dad, you can let go now. And from way back behind me, I heard my dad say, I already did. And I managed to turn around and look at him, and he's got this big grin, and I realize I'm on my own now. I better get my eyes back on where I'm going. And I successfully navigated the turn along the side of the house, across the front yard, and then I noticed between me and the driveway, there was like a three or four foot embankment. And I was heading right toward it. And I fixated on the bank rather than turning up to the left and going back up along the other side of the house. I went straight for that bank, straight over and crashed in the driveway. Now, of course, I did have to get up and keep on going like all of us did in learning how to ride a bicycle. And there is a spiritual lesson in this. Yes, there is. Because throughout life, we face situations where we are dependent upon somebody else for a little while, somebody to hold the bike up for us, somebody to guide us a little bit, somebody to mentor us, whether we're talking about life in general or a job situation or a ministry situation. And then there comes a time when we have to ride the bike for ourselves. We have to strike out or launch out on our own. And that can be scary. It can be very frightening. And that's when we need to learn to trust our training and we trust the guidance and the preparation that we've received in the past. But for the most important things in life, whether it's our job or parenting or fulfilling a ministry call, 
If we're really, really wise, we won't just depend upon our training. We won't just depend upon the lessons that we've learned from someone else. We will learn how to depend upon the presence of God. God with us. And in our passage today, we're talking about Joshua. And Joshua was the mentee. He had been trained up under Moses' leadership. But in the passage we're looking at, Joshua is now ready to strike out on his own. The training wheels are off, and Moses is no longer there to stabilize Joshua. His mentor was no longer guiding the bike. As the Lord says to Joshua, Moses is dead. Look at Joshua chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Notice verses 1 and 2. It says that this occurred after the death of Moses. And then God says to Joshua something that was very obvious. Moses was gone. Moses has been moored. And God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Why the emphasis on the death of Moses? The emphasis is that now is a different time. In other words, Joshua, now it's your turn. Now it's your time to shine. Moses is dead, and you are now the one that I'm calling upon. And Joshua, he's going to fulfill his calling. And notice this about Joshua. He did not have to push Moses out of the way. He didn't have to connive or manipulate or do anything to make a way for himself. When it was God's timing for him and when it was God's timing for Israel, God made the call, God issued the charge, God made the way for Joshua to do what God had created Joshua to do. Up to this point, he had been dependent upon Moses. Very much so, in two different ways. He had been dependent upon Moses for leadership, and he had been dependent upon Moses for his his very spiritual life. Why do I say that? Well, because in terms of leadership, Moses was up to this time, and maybe even for centuries after, the greatest leader that Israel had ever had. I mean, God himself boasted about Moses that Moses is the kind of person I talk to face to face. And surely, even the prophecies about Christ as we get ready for Christmas, the prophecies about Christ talk about that God was going to send someone after Moses' own kind of example. Moses was the kind of prophet and leader that Israel didn't have really until Jesus Christ himself. 
And God worked through Moses to exercise tremendous leadership over Israel. And Joshua had been dependent upon Moses as the leader up to this point. And I also say that, that Joshua had been dependent upon Moses spiritually. Why? Because when God did meet with Moses, he met with him face to face, frequently at a tent of meeting. And the Bible tells us that when Moses was in the tent of meeting, that Joshua would stay outside the tent because he wanted the understanding there is he wanted to be near the presence of God. And then even when Moses left, Joshua would remain at that tent. But up until this point, the meetings that God had with the people of Israel were mediated through Moses. So Joshua had been dependent upon Moses for his own experience of the presence of God. So he had been dependent upon Moses for leadership and for the spiritual influence that he got in his life. And now Moses is dead. It was time to move on. It was time for Joshua to fulfill his calling. Now, this is not to say that Joshua had arrived and never needed to learn another thing in his life. It's not saying that. And as we try to make a connection to our own lives, an application to our own lives, it's important to realize we never get to the point where we leave behind all that we've ever learned and the people that we've had in our past, and now we're just on our own like the Lone Ranger. We, we never get to that point where we stop learning. As John Maxwell says, and I believe this is very, very true, you stop learning, you stop leading. So we always have to keep on learning. But there comes a time, and maybe multiple times in our spiritual journey and in our life journey, that we have to take a step up. And we can't be dependent on what we depended upon in the past or who we depended upon the past in the same way. In other words, it's time for us to ramp up our level of responsibility. And you can have a leader as great as Moses, but God's going to do something in and through you, taking you to a new level that's going to be different from what you experienced in the past. That's another thing that's being said here when God is saying Moses is dead. He's not only saying, Joshua, now it's your time to shine. He's saying, Joshua, things are going to be very different around here from now on. It's going to be very different because Joshua, even though he learned some good lessons and he saw some great, fantastic moves of God, he's going to experience God in a different way. It's going to be different from now on. Joshua's not going to be able to count on the same things that Moses had been able to count on. Moses had an entirely different set of miracles that operated to fulfill God's call on Moses' life as the deliverer of Israel. It was going to be different under Joshua. Yes, still some supernatural, but not in the same way, right? Right. Think about this. How did God provide for Israel under Moses' leadership during those 40 years of wandering in the wilderness? God provided manna from heaven every day. Now, under Joshua's leadership, they're going to have to eat the produce of the land just like regular folk. And if you're from down south, Mississippi, like I just got to enjoy very recently, that means a lot of cornbread and black-eyed peas. That's good stuff, but it's not manna from heaven. It's very different, right? Very different. Under Moses, 
What about their clothes? How did they provide for that during their time of wandering in the wilderness? The Bible says that during those 40 years, their clothes and their sandals never wore out. Now, under Joshua's leadership, they're going to wear out. Now it's back to normal in terms of that aspect of provision. How did God guide Israel during those 40 years of wandering in the wilderness? The Bible says there was a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. It would be hard to miss the direction of God when you're just following these pillars of cloud and of fire, right? Now it's going to be very different. He's going to experience God in a different way. He's going to experience God's provision in a different way. He's going to experience God's leadership in a different way than Israel experienced under Moses. Things are going to be different now. So let's personalize that a little bit. We all have different calls, don't we? And God has raised us up for such a time as this. We have different calls and different times in terms of God's moments when you just know that I was created for this time. I was created for this moment. It's all different for all of us. Both Moses and Joshua were leaders of Israel, right? It should be the same call, but even that was different. And you're going to call, your call is going to be different as well. That's why I don't really like formulas in terms of my preaching or the emphases that we have here at Victory Church, the way we raise up disciples, because it's going to be different for every single one of you. It's going to be different. It's going to look different. Formulas tend to fall short. We're not too interested in cookie-cutter Christianity here at Victory Church. You know, we have a corporate vision. We have some things that we want to achieve together because we know that together we can accomplish a whole lot more than just a bunch of individuals. But my goal as a pastor is not to take a bunch of people and dictate exactly how and when and what it will look like in terms of God's activity in every individual's life. I, I want this church to be full of people who know that God has called them and that they understand God's call and God's timing for their lives and the way God works in their lives, God's unique call. I really want to see every single one of you, whether you're here in person or whether you're part of our online congregation, I want to see you fulfill God's call on your life. And I think if we all fulfill God's call on each of our lives individually and we do work together cooperatively in unity, the unity that the Spirit has provided, then we as a church will, will accomplish a whole lot more for the glory of God and for the blessing of the world than if we just try to fit everybody into the exact same mold. You don't want that, and I don't want that for you. And I believe that, that this distinction between the call of God on Moses and the call of God on Joshua speaks to us about that for each one of our lives as well. Now, there are some things that we're all called to do as Christians. And Rick Warren put it really well with purpose-driven church and purpose-driven life, and he identified five primary purposes that pertain to every Christian. But I can say that the way we live out those primary purposes is different for every single individual. So, yeah, common purposes, common goals. Yep, Joshua and Moses were both leaders, but just like they had different ways of living out the leadership and fulfilling God's call, 
you have different ways of living out God's call on your life. This is probably not a very uh, safe thing for me to say in my family, but it's true, and you're going to remember this now. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Why anybody would want to skin a cat, I don't know, but you know, there are just more ways to live out God's call. And you know, your way of living out God's call might look a whole lot more spiritual and a whole lot more supernatural than my way of living out God's call. To to you, it might look at like my way of living out God's call is a lot of hard work. And sometimes that is true. Uh, Or in Joshua's case, living out God's call might have looked a whole lot like mustering an army and going forth to conquer enemy territory. That was a little bit different than Moses' leadership of the people of Israel. Yeah, there was some of that warfare in Moses' time, but now Joshua is going to be taking the territory that God had promised to Moses and to the ancestors of the Israelites. Very different. You're called to do what? Teach your children, teach your family, lead others to the Lord. I'm called to preach. I believe that. Uh, you might not believe it, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago even, but I believe it. I feel it. I like it. I love doing it. I feel God's pleasure when I preach. And so we both have responsibilities to share the Word of God. But my time of putting my focus on teaching my children the Word of God has shifted because they're now grown adults pursuing God's call on their own lives. But you might be at a season in your life where you have little ones who are totally dependent on what they know about God by getting that from you. And that's a primary call. Might we both be doing something similar? Very much. Shepherding a congregation, whether that be our family or whether that be a local church. But it's going to look different. Now, I know, we, we had this conversation with the family and the church just, just this week about different approaches to raising children, and uh, we talked about some different books that we relied on back in the day, and you know, one book would give this set of guidelines for raising a child, and that would work with one child, but it didn't work at all with another child, but then you would go to another book, and it would have some suggestions that were perfect for the second or third or fourth child, right? It's very different, everyone unique, and guess what? You're unique to God, and God is going to be working in a different way with each one of his children. So Joshua didn't face the same circumstances as Moses, and we don't face the exact same circumstances as Joshua or even of each other. But we all must, at some point, come to that place where we have to make a decision to go forward with God's call on our lives. Are we going to do it? Moses is dead. Moses is dead. And I believe this is a prophetic word for many of you. This is a new season. Moses is dead. The past is gone. What you depended upon before is not going to be the same. It might look different. It might look more conventional. Your clothes might be wearing out. You might not be gathering manna from heaven every single day, but God is still in control. God is still in charge, and God is still the same. Yeah, circumstances are different, but God is the same, and that's a good thing. 
Because there are some things about God that we can all count on. Whatever our unique call, whatever our unique circumstances, there are things about God that are true because he's God and he is unchanging. He's an unchanging God and he's reliable. And that is a good thing. It gives us security when, you know, Moses has let go of the bike or when the training wheels have been removed. God is still there. And there's one thing, one thing that God himself points out that is exactly the same for Joshua as it was with Moses. And it's the same with you. And God says it in verse 5, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's true of both Moses and Joshua, and it's true for you as well. Verse 5 again, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Joshua could count on God being with him. God with us. And Joshua was going to need God to be with him because he had a tough assignment. It was not going to be easy. That's why three times in the next few verses, God says, be strong and courageous. Three times, be strong and courageous. And one time, in addition to those three, he says, do not be afraid. Let's look at those verses, verses 6 through 9. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you. Why do you need courage? Why does Joshua need courage? I mean, when I get ready to take the trash out, does my wife say, Ed, be strong and courageous? If I'm going to the grocery store or you're going to the grocery store, does your spouse or do your family members say, oh, be strong and courageous. You never know what you might face in whatever grocery store that you go to. Yeah, maybe some parts of the world, you got to be strong and courageous to go to the grocery store. But we don't say be strong and courageous just in an everyday non-threatening circumstance. You only hear that when there's, in the natural way of looking things, a reason to be afraid, a reason to feel weak. And that was exactly the situation with Joshua. There would have been, if he were given to fear, there would have been a good reason to be afraid. That's why God says three times, be strong and courageous, be strong and very courageous, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Fear is normal. It's scary to ride the bike without training wheels. It's scary to step into that new level to which God is calling you right now. Some of you are facing these situations and these fears Right 
this very moment. And if you go online, I Google this to look up how to overcome your fears. And I found a lot of good articles with a lot of good advice. And there are psychology journals and business journals that share a lot of good nuggets on how to overcome fear. And I'm afraid to even share one or two or three of those with you right now because some of you would say, wow, that sounds good. I really got something good and useful out of Ed's message. I don't want to give you that because there's one thing that I didn't find in any business journal, any psychology journal, any other secular Google article anyway. One thing you need to overcome your fear according to this passage of Scripture. One thing. And that is God with us. God with you. God with you. It's God's presence with you that enables you to stand up and move forward, move into your future in spite of what's been taken away from you or lost or just left behind because of a natural transition in life. It might be scary, but you can do it because God is with you. You know, one thing, one thing about fear is fear can sometimes have a very good purpose in our lives because when there's real danger, fear will keep you from just going right headlong into a very threatening and harmful circumstance, right? Amen. But if we take this understanding, do not be afraid, be strong and courageous, the Lord your God is with you, then what if we let our fear drive us to pursue the presence of God? What if we let, whenever we feel fear, whenever we feel intimidated, whenever we feel that we're not strong enough, what if we let that fear drive us to seek the presence of God? Then I don't think you'd have to be afraid anymore. Amen? Amen. Joshua 1, 7 through 8. Being close to God does not absolve us from obeying God. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I have to touch on it because it's part of this passage. It was right in the middle of those statements about being strong and courageous. Just to read those again, beginning with verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And that's not a prosperity preacher saying that. That's God saying that to Joshua and to us, to you. God wants you to be prosperous and successful in the way that he defines prosperity and success for your life. And that's going to be different. It doesn't necessarily mean a lot of material wealth. But God wants you to succeed. He wants you to fulfill the very purpose for which he created you. He wants your life to be a blessing, and he wants to bless you to be a blessing. But you have to be obedient along with being strong and courageous and being a person of the presence of God. See, Israel still had to do what they were told to do. They still had to cross the Jordan. They still had to march around Jericho the prescribed number of times. They still had to refrain from doing what God told them not to do. God told them that with regard to Jericho, they were not to take any of the plunder for themselves, but somebody did. And as a result, they were not successful in their next battle. You might say, well, that's Old Testament. 
That's New Testament. You, aren't we, even under the New Covenant with God, expected to be a people who respond not to the desires of our flesh, but to the leading of the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit? Yeah. You know, the presence of God ought to lead us to want to obey God. You know, we're not saved by obeying God, but obedience is a result of salvation. And the greatest benefit of salvation is that we have God with us, and we want to obey God. And experiencing the presence of God is not a substitute for obedience. Let me say that again. Experiencing the presence of God is not a substitute for obedience. When I was at Oral Roberts University in seminary, I remember a chapel service in which the chaplain said, hey, some of you are engaging in premarital sex. That's against God's will for your life. And you can't think that just because you come into a chapel service and you can speak in tongues that you're okay with God. Folks, sometimes the gifts of God, the presence of God can operate in our lives even though we're living in disobedience. And if we continue in disobedience, we're going to experience a fall, a shortfall. We're not going to experience the glory of God the way that he wants us to experience it. And we're not going to be prosperous and successful. We're not going to fulfill our call. I know somebody who is not able to fulfill God's call on his life because of disobedience to God, moral failure. A former worship leader of this church, not our most recent one, not Grant, but a previous worship leader had a moral failure and had to leave his position. And I remember as he was confessing and sharing with me his heart, he was crying and he said, what happened that I was not able to experience the presence of God except when I was leading worship? When he was leading worship, was he experiencing the presence of God? Yes, but that was the only time he was experiencing the presence of God. And just because he could come in and lead worship and That's not being a hypocrite in the sense that, oh, well, you know, he was just faking it. He was not faking it on stage. He was experiencing the presence of God. That was the only time that he could, probably because God wanted the whole congregation to experience the presence of God. But he couldn't come in and think that he was all right with God just because then he could experience the presence of God, and neither can you. You can't watch a service on TV or on YouTube or in any other media. You can't come into a worship service and experience the presence of God and then think, well, my ungodly lifestyle must be okay. No, a person of the presence of God wants to obey God. God with us, not not in some threatening way, but God with us in a loving way that makes us want to say yes to God's will in every respect, which means saying no to what God wants us to say no to as well. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. He wants you to be prosperous and successful. Again, that's by his definition. And I want to encourage you, Don't be like my friend and sabotage God's call on your life. Don't trade anything for the presence of God and obey God. Now, does obedience just mean a bunch of externals? I just follow a bunch of rules, and as long as I look good on the outside and I just emphasize the outward that I'm okay then? No, if you do all that without the presence of God, you've fallen short too. It's not an either or. We need the presence of God. And what's essential, what is really essential to obeying God is 
God with us. God with us. When you know God is with you, you know that you're going to want to do what he wants you to do in your life. The will of God will have become your highest ambition because you're a person of the presence of God. And God says in verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that's a repeat basically of verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. How would you like God to be able to say that over your life? No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Why? Why? As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's God's promise to us. God's presence gives us courage. God's presence gives us strength. What are you facing right now? What are you facing right now? God will give you the help to face it. What circumstances seem too strong for you now? God with us will give you the strength to stand against us, to be stronger. What intimidates you right now? God with us gives you the courage to face that, whether it be a health situation, a financial situation, a job situation, a family situation. If you feel intimidated, God with you gives you courage and strength. He will never leave you nor forsake you. What causes a little fear to rise up in you, maybe even right now, be of good cheer. God is with you. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Maybe you have never embraced the presence of God by receiving the benefits of your salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to pray right now to receive Jesus, to receive his presence into your life. Would you pray this prayer after me? Say this, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for me. I believe Jesus died. He was raised from the dead. And he is Lord. Be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your spirit. Help me live for you. I'm yours, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, welcome to the family of God. And right now, we're going to have a material or physical reminder of the presence of God with us. Jesus came and died on the cross he came in a real body and died a real death that we could have life. And communion elements, and if you are watching at home or in some other location where you don't have bread and juice, then you can use some substitutes for that perhaps, or just receive the blessing and the benefit of God's presence in your life right now. But if you're able to have elements, then let these reminders help you to know that God is with you. The apostle Paul says, because there's one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the same loaf. That's something we all have in common. Though we're many, though we're different, though we're unique, we all partake of the same loaf. And then he says, the bread we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. Let's share together. Paul also says the cup of blessing for which we give thanks 
is a sharing in the blood of Christ. Let's drink. God, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you that you're right here with us, wherever we might be. We could be listening to this in a vehicle as we drive along the highway. We could be seeing this in our homes. We can even be seeing this very same service years later. But whatever our circumstance, God, you are with us. We pray for strength and we pray for courage. We pray that nothing that the enemy sends against your people would prevail. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you for strength. Thank you for courage. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Podcast. If this message inspired you, feel free to share it with your friends, family, and social media. And make sure to subscribe to hear future messages from Victory Church. If you'd like to support the mission of Victory, please visit getvictory.net slash give. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day.